Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Healing Me First podcast. Stories of breakthroughs, transformation, and healing. I am your host, Chef B, author, educator, health coach, raw plant-based chef, and owner of Inyansipo Wellness Institute. I happen to know some pretty amazing healers and health seekers, and I'm bringing their stories of healing, elevation, and introspection to you. I hope that you will be inspired as much as I am by these stories and will use them on your wellness journey. So tune in, y'all, and let's get to healing. All right. Greetings, greetings. Welcome to our podcast, Miss Yakutala Muhammad. How hey, are you me. today? I'm good. <laughs> How are you? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're so silly. <laughs> you look so happy today. <laughs> I am. Yes. So, y'all, I'm so excited to have Yakutala Muhammad on the podcast today. She is a registered dietitian. She is the owner of Nutrition Prescription. And I want you to just tell folks a little bit about what you offer with nutrition prescription before we jump into it. Okay, cool. So thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm super excited to share. Um, so a lot of it is, I guess, looking um, at where I started. I, I became a dietitian in 2007, um, and I actually started nutrition prescriptions in 2014. Um, and a lot of what I offer uh, really looks um, at uh, nutrition um, around health and wellness as it relates to uh, not only Ramadan and Ramadan planning, um, but also like plant-based nutrition, right? Um, vegetarian, uh, vegan, um, and then also really looking at foods that help to boost your immune system. Um, it, it's interesting uh, because in counseling patients, um, I, I also find it very interesting, and we'll talk a little bit about it, um, but the role and importance uh, of nutrition uh, in postpartum healing as well. Um, so some mm -hmm. of the packages, you know, I offer, um, you know, it, it really looks at it, comprehensive plant-based meal planning, uh, Ramadan prep, um, and then, of course, nutrition to boost your immune system. Mm, yes. Look, you're talking my language. That's, that's all the stuff that I'm about, that plant-based life, right? It's all about that plant-based life, right? Yakutala? <laughs> and you know you guys let me tell you Yakutala is absolutely gorgeous she's stunning and she's a runner she's kind of shy like she she ain't telling the full details like she runs she does 5k's and 10k's and she just had a baby well not just just but she recently had a baby her first yes. and I really wanted you to share with folks you know like your healing journey one, when you found out that you were having a baby, um, you can even talk about, you know, just how old you were when you had the baby and just some of the things that you now know because of the work that you do as a, as a dietitian in regards to supporting yourself on that journey to a healthy pregnancy. So share with them a little bit about, you know, what it took for you and what came up for you. So we really... I guess we really started planning um, in 2019 um, and said, okay, you know, we're not getting any older. Let's start planning for a family. 
Um, and it wasn't until 2020 we found out, hey, we're expecting, and this is great. So after 10 years of marriage, of course, uh, we're like, everybody was kind of waiting, like, mm, mm, when is going on? <laughs> and then my husband, he turned 40, and then I turned 40. Um, and it was like, all right, well, you know, we'll have a kid. Um, so we we're, of course, super excited. Um, but with that also came, um, you know, regular visits to the doctor. Um, and, you know, they, they really stressed, the OB really stressed um, the fact that they considered me advanced maternal age, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess geriatric, uh, the term that they use nowadays, um, because I was 40, yeah. having my first baby. You know, of course, they told you all the horror stories and what to expect and, you know, oh, this could, this could. Um, but then I really just called up on my uh, support community, uh, my midwife, uh, who's practiced for 40 years, um, and my doula, um, and, you know, really looking at what to expect uh, as a woman of color, right, mm-hmm. um, on that perspective. Um, and of course, they reassured me, you know, you're good, for the most part, um, you're healthy, you eat well, you know, you don't use drugs, you never smoked. Um, so I really didn't have any of the um, I guess, risk factors that they kind of look at um, if you're having a baby later in life. Yeah. Um, so some of it was like, I'm not even worried about this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and my midwife was like, girl, when it's time for you to have a baby, it's time for you to have a baby. What's written is written. It's not like, oh, I'm scared. This could go wrong. And um, it was funny because my initial doctor was Dr. Boots Taylor. Some <laughs> people know Dr. Boots Taylor um, in Atlanta. Um, and he was like, dude, protect your mind. That was my first consultation, yes. my first visit. And he just stressed the importance of protecting your mind and really surrounding your people or surrounding yourself uh, with a village and a group of people um, who are willing to really wholeheartedly uh, support your journey. So that's why I was like, I knew I needed a doula. I want a midwife. My mom had me, had my sister and I at home. Mm. So I was like, well, you know, midwives was something that was common. You know what I mean? And the doula support is great because you have that during birth and then postpartum. So I was like, yeah, I want that too. Like, what can I get? <laughs> I wanted everything. I love that. So, really just looking at, uh, you know, the that support system that I knew I needed. Um, a lot of times, you know, we prepare for the birth itself. But then we're not really thinking about the postpartum. And I guess, you know, I, I read all of Ina Mae Gaston. I read all the books, right? Hypnobirth, mm-hmm. a lot of that. And it was like, okay, this is great. But then the postpartum was like, huh, how do I do that? And then, of course, yeah. my midwife and my doula helped me with that. So bringing by the teas and making sure I had what I needed and setting up my meal train. Um, so I, I just think that's really, really important. As a dietitian, I kind of knew, okay, I know what to eat, you know, uh, you know for prenatal you know, besides the vitamins um, and how to really, you know, make sure that my body is strong enough, make sure I'm getting the nutrients and things that I needed. Um, But there was also that, uh, you know, mental component, that mental support um, that I needed. So, yeah. So actually I wanted to share because I actually had Dr. Boots Taylor, for those of you who are listening, he was my, my doctor, my geriatric doctor. I actually had my second child at 42. So, yes, all the things, all the risks, all the things that they say that you need to watch out for, I was told the same thing. And so I'm just curious to hear from you, because, I mean, I have my own healing journey around that. You know, what were some of the things that you you decided to nourish your body with during your pregnancy to ensure in your mind, based on your background, 
to ensure that you would be ready when, you know, the baby was ready to come out, you know? I, I had some of everything. And it's interesting because I was talking to a friend um, and they were like, you know, hey, if you eat that during your pregnancy, it, you know, it could be anecdotal or not. It's funny. Um, if you eat that during your pregnancy, then your baby won't be allergic to it. Ooh. <laughs> and we just laugh, you know, whatever. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, being pescatarian, um, really looking at, you know, plant-based options are very heavily plant-based. Um, I, I kind of, for the most part, just a lot of fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, I did things like Greek yogurt. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I did a lot of bean soups, um, really just, you know, falafel I love. Um, and just making sure that, you know, I got my spinach and my greens in. I mean, for the most part, you know, almond butter, peanut butter, like that kind of stuff is just, um, and, and snacking because I had quite the appetite. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's interesting because um, I actually, you know, I ate and, and it was good because you actually require uh, a few more calories when you're pregnant and lactating. Um, so I found myself where I would, you know, I would be eating my meals and then I would actually have snacks as well. Um, so really just making sure that, you know, my diet was balanced, making sure, you know, that I was eating, making sure that I was hydrating. That was a huge piece of it. Um, you know, making sure that I was really nourishing my body, um, and not just, you know, forgetting or sleeping through it. <laughs> yeah. uh, even if I had to like really set alarm, you know, on my phone, um, and, and kind of remind myself, you know, what do you like to eat? What do you enjoy eating? Right. Um, and, and make sure uh, that you include those things. Of course, um, it was a blessing. I, I, I didn't have any gestational diabetes or anything like that that I, I had to worry about um, for the most part, but my diet was pretty, pretty, pretty varied, pretty diverse. So I'm also curious, I, I've always wondered this, but never really asked, but when you're, when you're a Muslim person and there's Ramadan coming up, how does it work for a pregnant woman? Does do pregnant people do Ramadan? Um, it, it's interesting because um, it, it actually, you know, it, if you read the Quran um, and, and you look into the categories of people uh, who are actually exempt from fasting, um, you know, pregnant women um, are actually exempt from fasting, right? Okay. Um, so it, it is not required that you fast. Um, so instead of fasting, um, you know, you can do a, what they call fidya, and it's it's like uh, giving, you know. Uh, helping people like break fast or, you know, giving to the poor or giving uh, some type of charity um, in lieu of fasting, um, you know, so that's, you know, that that's one exemption uh, that you have uh, as a, a pregnant woman. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, thank you, because I, I'm often thinking like, gosh, when you're pregnant, you're so hungry. <laughs> so how in the world would you deal with Ramadan for 30 days? So thank you for clarifying that. Cause I, I and, no and there's clue. a lot of mercy in, in that, you know, you, you know, we, we, we believe that Allah is merciful. Um, so, so he doesn't uh, task you or burden you with a, a burden greater than you can bear. So um, that's a blessing. Oh yeah, that is a blessing. So I, I also wanted to know, you know, you talk a little bit about when you and I kind of shared offline, some of the challenges after so we're so we're so determined to get our bodies ready for birth and then i want you to talk a little bit about the healing process for you after you had your son so what you know what what was that for you and you know wow. yeah mind-blowing <laughs> um it's interesting because um being the first baby i was like you know what um i knew i wanted a natural birth I kind of prepared my mind for a natural birth and that was great, but I also wanted the support of my midwife and the support of my doula, right? 
Um, so a lot of it was like, okay, I'm not sure exactly what to expect, but I want to have my team in place just in case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that healing process was interesting. Um, so I said to myself, I wanted a water birth. So I had to take the classes and get approved and everything. And of course they had stipulations and requirements, uh, for people who would be eligible for a water birth. Um, so I met those requirements. That's fine. Um, but that the healing process and making sure that I had my doula in place, it was like, you know, once you prepare for the water, you get in the water, you have the baby, you get out of the water. Um, it's like, now you have to heal up. Right. And, and the first, you know, a couple of days, it's like, you, you're, you're learning to walk again. Like it's really, it's that serious. Right. Um, or at least that was my experience. Some people, they pop right back and that's great. And it's interesting because during my pregnancy, I was walking, you know, I was doing exercises and stretching and, you know, uh, during the, the, the pelvic work, as they say, you know, there's certain work that you do to prepare your body. So I was like, okay, this is great. Um, but that journey of healing um, was interesting because, I mean, my doula, she really helped out bringing teas and soups and, you know, things like that to the hospital and then making sure I had what I needed at home and setting up the meal train so I didn't have to cook really for the first month that was awesome. Right. Um, so really just making sure I had that in place. There, there was one of my friends, Fadia, she's awesome out of Charleston. Um, and she really, after she had her daughter, she told us about the 40 day, uh, celebration that you have. So after you have your baby, after 40 days postpartum, you actually have a celebration. It's like celebrating motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, I this like is that. great. So I actually had that at the house and I invited people wow. over, we shared food, we shared, you know, experiences and stories. Um, and, and it really spoke to the power of community um, and making sure that you had those, those people, uh, you know, the supportive, loving members uh, there for you. You know what I mean? My aunties came over, you know, people like, you know, it was just, it was beautiful, you know, and all of this in a pandemic, you know? So uh, yeah, a lot of us think about all oh. the horrible things that can go in a pandemic. Yeah, um, but it was really a, a beautiful outcome kind of looking at, you know, what transpired and the support, the level of support and love that was there. Um, but yeah. So, you know, and I'm glad that you pointed out that you actually delivered your baby during the pandemic. Was there any cause for concern? Because I, I know for me, during the pandemic, you're, you're really trying to sort of stay low profile with everybody you know, you don't want to be at a hospital. You just, you're really trying to avoid places where you can pick anything up, right? And so I'm just wondering, when you found out that you were pregnant, was there a cause, like just any kind of nervousness or concern because we were in a pandemic and you're now pregnant? Any, any kind of, you know, apprehension there at all? Um, I took measures to really isolate myself uh, before labor and delivery. Um, and, and that's in part, of course, I didn't want to be sick. Um, but also because one of the stipulations uh, was that for a water birth, you couldn't test positive for COVID. Mm, because then they'd have to put you in an isolation room mm, mm -hmm. and you couldn't get into the water. Mm. So I was like, dude, I need to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So I was really, um, you know, limiting my, you know, running around and making sure people didn't come over really beforehand to like visit a lot. You know, people, if you weren't in my immediate circle, um, you know, my mother-in-law, my mom, you know, like that, my doula, um, yeah. then it wasn't like, you know, you, you'd have to do a porch drop off and I, and, and we loved each other and, and understood, you know what I mean? 
Um, but uh, but a lot of it was just preparing preparing my mind again um, to make sure you know that I could you know test negative for COVID and have the baby. It's interesting because what happened was two days before I went into labor, they tried to induce me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I went to the hospital. I just had my OB visit, and she said, "We're sending you to the hospital." Why? Well, we need to induce you because you're ahead. I was 41 and one, so 41 and oh, one. Oh wow! Right? Um, and and we were joking. We we're like, "You just need a little more time." That's all. He just needed a little more time. It's a little boy. Um, and so we we're like, <laughs> "Okay," because we didn't do a gender reveal. So what we knew, we felt it was a little boy. So when I went in and it, they, they said, well, we need to run some tests to see, you know, again, because there's certain things they can't do in the office that they can do at the hospital. So they ran the test. Everything came back. Heart rate was great. We're strong. They really didn't have any grounds to induce me. Mm. Um, but what they did was when we came in is they tested me and I tested negative. So I'm negative. So they said, if you come back and deliver within two days, we don't have to retest you. Okay. Yes. So when I came back to deliver, they're like, oh, that's Miss Muhammad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the good thing that came out of that um, is that they had already tested me for COVID and I, I just went straight in. They prepared my room for me. Um, they filled the tub and I was able to just kind of go in and deliver. I think I got there at eight uh, in the morning and I delivered around one o'clock. Wow. That's dope. So it was really interesting. <laughs> it was deep. <laughs> you know, I think it's it's really a blessing to have the experience of a water birth unfortunately i wasn't able to do that but to you know like literally to defy the odds right so here you are you're living the lifestyle you're taking care of yourself you're eating well you're moving you know and you you're older right you're 40 and to be able to really kind of just create the outcome the way you want it to the way you've envisioned is such a blessing and to really put the steps in place to make it happen, the people, the support, the community. You know, I I think that's so powerful. And unfortunately, many of us don't have that opportunity, but Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you were able to have that opportunity, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you know, it's interesting because there there was a lady, and just off kind of side note, there was a lady uh, that was selling a house next to us. And she was expecting her first child. And we went over, because you know, we're nosy. We We want to do the tour. We go in and we do the tour. Um, and we find out she's expecting her first kid. Um, and I started asking her questions like, oh, hey, how about this? Hey, are you doing this? Hey, are you doing this? And she was like, oh, I didn't even know that was an option. And I was like, yeah. So I started yeah. giving her the names of books and the names of doulas and just all that kind of stuff because I had done so much research. And she was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. There are people that will come to your house and help and blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. 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 <laughs> and she was Italian. So it was yeah. kind of cool to kind of share, you know, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, you know, the, the knowledge is power and, and, and looking at what is offered, um, you know, and I, it, it's so many in, in this day and age with technology, um, you know, information's at your fingertip. Yeah. And a lot of it is just looking at, hey, what are the options? How can I explore those options? How can I employ those options to work for me? Right. Um, so, you know, especially as a woman of color, um, I wanted people on my team. Um, that was going to support me and had the knowledge and expertise and know-how, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, that was just really important to me. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting that you talk about um, just being a woman of color. I think about when I first found out that I was pregnant and I went to the doctor, the different physicians that I went to visit, 
they were like, you know, your first pregnancy was a cesarean. You need to have a cesarean for the second one, you know, or we're not going to see you. And I'm so grateful that I spoke to, you know, a good friend of mine who's a physician. She was just like, look, you're going to get cut regardless. If they want to cut you, they're going to cut you. Do not let that be your only option. There is someone in the state of Georgia that will see you, that will work with you. And so really helping me to take, take my power back mm-hmm. as a, a pregnant woman um, and let me know that, you know, things are going to happen, but you absolutely can control the outcome by the things that you do leading up to this birth. Absolutely. I.e. the things you're eating, the things you're thinking about, the people that surround you the support system that you're developing, the support system that you have afterwards, right? And so, you know, for those of you who are listening out there, you know, don't, if you're pregnant and you, you know, you're just, you know, worried about just what it's going to be like, you know, sure, you might have some challenge that you're working through, but know that you have a support system. You have people that you can bring into your community, your personal community, that can help you along the way, that can help you during the process. And then when you actually deliver the baby, that can continue the journey with you to heal you up, right? So I want you to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you, um, you said that you couldn't walk. Like what, what happened? Why couldn't you walk? Was that just a product of just- You know, um, there was some, uh, I guess, pelvic strengthening work, all right? So trying to do that, trying to keep up with that. If you, you know, I read that if you do that really well, um, then it's easier to bounce back, right? Um, a lot of it was also um, really just looking at um, being consistent and walking. So walking was okay. I could do that, but I wasn't into my, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth month. Of course, I wasn't running. <laughs> it was more like 15, 30-minute walk, and that's fine. Um, but really just looking at, um, I mean, it's your your body goes through that process of having birth. You know what I mean? Um, and then being able to really just look at what recuperation looks like, like initially they helped me out of the water and they're like, Hey, you got to get over to the bed. And I was like, I can't get over to the bed. (laughs) I I was just in a totally different headspace. You want me to climb up out of the tub and step on this little ladder and then go over to the bed and lay down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just step by step, right? Take it step by step. So they helped me up. They did that. Um, I did require stitches. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. healing up from that. Um, And then just, you know, I stayed in the hospital, I guess, two or three days after birth. Right. Um, So they wanted to make sure that I cleared. uh, What was it? I think it was. What was it called? Um, I don't remember the name of it now, Um, but it was uh, some type of strep. So they gave me antibiotics for that and they wanted to make sure I cleared that before I left the hospital. Okay, I understood that. Um, but after that, it was like, okay, I, I mean, I can walk again. You bounce back. Your body is, is, is built to bounce back. So that's fine. But then when I got home, you know, you have the sits bath, you know, you're making sure that you're doing your exercises, you know, things like that, stretching, um, and really just being patient with yourself. Right. Um, and asking for help. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is also as women, not being afraid to ask for help. Yeah, I think that's okay. That's that's really good. And for those of you who are listening, some some people might say, "Well, what's a sits bath? A sits bath is a bath of herbs that you you sit in. Um, (laughs) You literally just soak 
in, you just soak in that bath so that it can help to heal your your womb, right? Heal your body, you know, so that you can begin the strengthening process of that that area, that womb area. So yes, ah, I remember those days. Great. And then my teas and, and, you know, they were talking about, hey, you know, there's certain teas and, and, and making sure that you get your milk production up. Of course, the, you know, the first few, you know, days or weeks, you know, it's not as as much, but it builds over time. Um, so really just looking at that and, uh, you know, I had aunties bring me things over and, you know, tea combinations and things like that to help with my milk combination or my milk production. So uh, really just looking at that, too. That was that was great. Yes. So I'm curious, you know, now that you have a baby, you know, you know, how would you say like has life changed for you in regards to you being able to take care of yourself and keep things up? Because, I, you know, life after you have a child, you know, just in terms of priorities, responsibilities, just all of that, you know, have, have things changed for you? You know, what, what does life look like for you? Um, things have definitely changed. Um, a lot of it is really thinking ahead and scheduling, being able to schedule things. Like before, it was like, pop up Saturday morning, go running, right? Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, if I pop up, I'll go running for the first two hours. I need to coordinate schedules with my husband so that when I get back, he can run his errands. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, unless, you know, my mother-in-law is in town and she can keep the baby. Um, and then drawing on support uh, from other moms. Um, and it's funny because I had a therapy session uh, last week. And my therapist was like, yeah, you, you, you guys uh, need to join like the Amami community and get some more moms on board so you can watch their kids and they can watch your kid. But then I'm kind of like I'm super like type A OCD when it comes to the kid. So I wouldn't just leave him with anybody, of right. course. Yep. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, unless you can come over to the house and keep them, I'm not dropping them off anywhere. Not yeah. at this young age. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really a, a lot of, uh, you know, really the thought process and really thinking about, okay, if I need to do this, I need to plan ahead for childcare. Um, I need to determine whether or not I can take him with me, right? Yeah. Um, I volunteered uh, with a, a running uh, event with the Atlanta Track Club, the Jerome Scales Run. Uh, and it was, I volunteered. And when we got out in the morning, it was below 30 degrees. So we knew it was going to be cold. So we were like, well, we're not going to take the baby out in this cold weather. So hubby stayed with baby and I was able to run and volunteer. But a lot of it is just really looking at realistically what you're going to do, because it's not just you anymore. It's the baby, too. So, of course, you got things you want to consider um, and weigh and kind of see, you know, what's a good idea, what's not when it comes to the kid. Yeah, yeah. And so, I have a lot of mommy dates. We go out for brunch and, okay. you know, get with my sisters and things like that to really, um, you know, kind of help with your mind space, too, because sometimes you just need to talk. You need to vent. You can need to, you know, be social. <laughs> and yeah. again, with COVID. You got to kind of determine what that looks like. <laughs> no, that's so true. That's so true. And so you feel like you found, you've been able to really get self-care in there, you know, regularly. Yeah, I found a great mas masseuse um, with uh, Sisters United, one of our groups here in Atlanta. Uh, and she actually uh, comes over and she does a massage with me in my living room. She sets it up and does mm -hmm. the essential oils and everything uh, oh, for about an hour. Uh, I have her come over once a month. So that's nice. Just really building in that, that time and that, mm -hmm. uh, that care for yourself. Yeah, I mean, prioritizing your health. Because if you don't, who's going to take care of the baby? If you're sick or, you know, you're, you're not building in that therapy session that you, you know you need, um, really just helping uh, to keep you grounded, really. Yeah. 
So I'm curious, like if you would tell somebody, like what would you tell them? They're having the baby, they're, you know, in their forties or just, you know, later in life, you know, what would you say are some things that they should consider doing as a dietitian? What are some things that they should definitely consider bringing into their, their lifestyle? What would you suggest? I mean, of course, uh, you know, be, being a proponent um, of health and wellness, of course, I'm going to tell you to eat more fruits and vegetables, duh, <laughs> right? But what does that look like to you, right? You might be vegan, you might be vegetarian, you might be pescatarian, you may be transitioning in life, right? Um, and, and deciding what really works for you. Uh, the biggest thing, um, and, and working with you, Chef B, um, is, is, is building your team, right? Um, so really looking at, you know, what does my team look like? I need a dietitian. I want to look into options for a midwife and a doula. Um, you know, how am I hydrating? Right. Um, yes, that's important. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what do my meals look like? What do I need going into a pregnancy? How can I prepare for that? Um, and then making sure, you know, you do your research, do your due diligence, uh, reach out. There's so many resources in the community, um, that you can draw upon to help you out. I, I literally, um, you know, looked up doulas. We have one, of course, and we have several in our community. Um, but I actually just followed a few on Instagram. Um, what one of my uh, or friends, uh, Latoya, um, she's doula view, um, and she's mm. she's an awesome doula. Um, and I got tips from her. And then just following her page, I was able to see other doulas and just really um, surround myself with positive stories. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so and so did that. Oh, so and so had a V back. Yes, and what that process looks like. I I never I, I the first pregnancy, so of course I didn't do a right. VBAC, but I was like, that's something that's actually possible. And then hearing and seeing it being a reality is powerful. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Things oh, you yeah. thought, oh, it wasn't a possibility. It actually is a possibility. Absolutely. Um, and, and making sure that you equip yourself with the knowledge and the expertise, and you know the community um, that is uh, you know positive. And a proponent of that, if that's what you're looking for. And so, for those of you who are listening, you're like, VBAC, what's that? <laughs> what is a VBAC? You want to tell them, Yakutula? Um, so, it's, it's basically a, a vaginal delivery uh, after cesarean. Yes. yes. Right. And, and, and a lot of people, you, you, you'd have to get with the professionals and the doctors and things like that. But, um, you know, some, some doctors are for it and some are against it. So, it really just depends on. Um, what you want, what you envision um, uh, for, for your experience, and then making sure uh, that, that you seek out the professionals that can help you with that. Wow. Yep. And I had my feedback, y'all. So it's possible. I'm telling you, change your mindset, change your eating, change everything. Dude. And you love changing everything, changes everything. I tell people that all it the does. time. It does. So, yeah. And your mindset, it, it, I mean, I think that's the first thing that's key to protect your mind. You know, don't be listening to horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why do people want to tell you their pregnancy horror story anyway? Like, keep that right. thing to yourself. Like, I don't want to hear it. No, nope. I don't want to hear that. Please don't share that. <laughs> I don't want to know about your pregnancy horror story. You keep that thing to yourself because we want beautiful birth outcomes for everyone and particularly women of color because we know okay. that disproportionately women of color, when they are pregnant, particularly if they're in their 30s, 40s, you know, folks are losing their children, they're losing their life because yeah. they're not, there's no, there's not as much advocation for their births as the other women. The support. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. That's right. So I don't want to hear your bad birth story. 
Keep that thing to yourself, y'all, okay? Keep it to yourself. I might decide I want to have a baby at 55. I'm, I, I want to believe that I can do it. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to believe that I can do that thing, you know? So, all right. As we wrap up, thank you so much for being on here and sharing your story. Absolutely incredible. So tell, tell folks how they can connect with you and what are some of the things that's coming up for you? Oh, man. Okay, so <laughs> um, you can connect with me on Facebook, uh, Nutrition Prescriptions LLC. Um, you can connect with me on Instagram, um, RDN, Resilient RDN uh, Nutriscripts. Um, and uh, you just follow my page. Um, and all of my information is my link in bio. Uh, Ramadan is coming up. Uh, starts, I believe, what, April 2nd? So yes. a little, um, a little over two months for that. So I have a, a really great course coming up uh, to get us prepared for Ramadan. Um, it's a six-week course, uh, Ramadan Reset. Uh, we're going to be sharing some fantastic resources uh, once that. a week. Yeah, uh, starts February 16th. Um, and then you know we we have some some other programs planned that we'll definitely keep you uh, posted about. Ooh, I'm excited. All right. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us. And thank you for inviting me. Yes, of course. Anytime, my love. All right. Yeah, we'll talk right. To I look you forward soon. to working with you guys. Thank you. <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you are looking to transition to a plant-based diet and are in need of support with your meals, then visit EssentialMealsToGo.com and check out our services. We offer three-day, four-day, and five-day plans. Elevate your meals today and visit EssentialMealsTheNumber2Go.com to learn more.